Hi, this is David Key. At Quo, we've worked for the last 20 years with many of the world's best-known travel brands. During this unprecedented global crisis, our world of travel has changed, possibly irreversibly. This series will see us speak with many global leaders to understand how they see the future of travel. Michael Pirro, Chief Executive Officer of Wink Hotels of the soon-to-launch super brand in out of Saigon. Um, welcome to the future of travel, Mike. Morning, David. Thanks for having me. Michael, it's fantastic to, to, have, you, to, to have you on the show, and, and to, particularly because I wanted to talk and I want to focus on Vietnam. There has been an enormous amount of press over the last week, 10, 12 days, where Vietnam has be, is being positioned, one, as, as coming out of the crisis with uh, an exceptional record in terms of cases, in terms of um, tragic deaths, and of, contro- of, of controlling a situation with an incredibly dense population in a very large country. How, first of all, Mike, has Vietnam managed to, the Vietnamese government managed to control the situation to such an amazing, in such an amazing way? Well, I think that, you know, first thing is that Vietnam, you know, if you look through history, um, Vietnam is no stranger to crisis. Um, so that was the first kind of thing I felt when, uh, when the situation started to erupt. Um, you know, you you could really feel the authority, the leadership, and the control of the Vietnamese government throughout the entire process. Um, I would also like to commend, like, the citizens of Vietnam also um, were very serious. Right from the first um, news of this outbreak, the local citizens were also very quick to respond. I remember um, kind of in the first week of the the COVID-19 virus being announced in Vietnam, Um, In my apartment building in Hanoi, um, I went in an elevator and, uh, you know, this was very early on and I hadn't quite gotten into the habit of wearing a surgical mask every time I leave the house. And I stepped into an elevator with a few ladies that lived in my building and, you know, I was, they they were very serious from the very early stages in terms of Um, you know, uh, informing me that as a responsible member of society, I had an obligation to put on a mask. And this was before the government made it um, legal in Vietnam, illegal in Vietnam to go into a public place without a mask. The people were already right behind the initiative. So I think from the top down, from the leadership level, right down to every citizen's level, everyone took it very, very seriously. Um, the Vietnamese were very quick to respond. And I think this is a case where a more authoritative government actually wielded its power in the correct way to get the best result for the country. And I think we're starting to see this all come into fruition now. Um, as recently as last night, Vietnam lifted the social distancing um, procedures in Vietnam. So now we're actually, restaurants are actually going to start to reopen up, et cetera, kind of leading the way definitely in Asia, if not the world. And in terms of social distancing as a culture, the Vietnamese, in a similar way, I, I, I'd like to say to the Thais and to other um, Indochina, to, to, to Laos, Cambodia, and to the Burmese, um, there's a natural social distancing. Is that true? Um, 
You know, I think, I don't think that that's entirely true for Vietnam. Um, if you look at it, you know, the country, as you mentioned in your opening remarks, given the density of the, the country, um, you know, population of 100 million. Actually, if you look at, you know, the, the street culture in Vietnam, um, you know, you're starting to see it Brazil now, but there's, um, you know, hundreds of people along the street sitting on plastic stools, crammed beside each other, enjoying beer, tea, cigarettes, um, you know, just in traffic, you know, driving to work on a motorbike, you're closer than 1.5 meters to, you know, 10 people at every given time, um, given the traffic level. So I think Vietnamese are actually used to being very close to each other. They're actually used to being very social. They're very used to being very community oriented. So while it was very hard for Vietnam to adapt to this kind of more um, um, insulated lifestyle, the people did it because they recognized the importance. And, um, and you know, the, again, and the government was quite, um, thorough throughout the whole process from every phone call you make there's a recording from the government telling you to stay inside so you have to hear that before every single telephone conversation they use tv public media every channel possible to get the message of covid out so it was a it was a very impressive kind of a full court press by the government and by the people and um you know i i you know i really like to see how vietnam kind of plays out throughout the end of the year well, that was the that was that was obviously my next question. The discipline, um, the innate discipline of the Vietnamese people, the the discipline of the government, or the discipline um, expounded by the government and and by society. I'm fascinated by the um, in within a week of your, your comments of the of your of the people you met in the elevator um, who told you to wear a mask. Um, I don't. I think that's I think that's endemic to to, to society and endemic to the reasons why. Um, Vietnam has come out so successfully, so quickly. Um, but how, how we, we, we've got to figure that the discipline will remain, but how quickly do you feel, and obviously this is the $64,000 question, how quickly do you see a return to normality or do you see a return to, normal, to, to, to a normal life um, in the foreseeable future? Um, you know, I think, I think what we were, how we refer to normal life, there's going to be pre-corona, post-corona. I don't think normal as we knew it yesterday will be the normal of tomorrow. So I think everyone, I think a generation is going to be changed through this, through this crisis. Um, and I think that, uh, no, I really believe that, um, you know that the people are changing the way people are um the way people are going to shop the way people are going to travel the way people are going to interact uh is all going to change and so i think um you know returning to normal i'm not sure i'm not sure that again i'm not sure there is going to be a normal but i think in terms of getting back to something that re resembles normal in vietnam i would say um, in the next three months domestically, I could see things picking up, but until we get the full, um, you know, Vietnam is between its trade, between its tourism, between its, its interconnectivity with global markets is very important. So until the world really gets better, Vietnam isn't going to get um, recovered to its full potential. So I think for us, um, you know, between now and the end of the year, uh, yeah, I could see things resuming um, something that resembles normal in Vietnam, um, 
on a very insulated basis, no one coming in, no one going out. Um, but uh, until things fully resume, and Vietnam relies on a lot of, um, you know, we had, you know, we were on track to do close to 15 million international arrivals. That's a big deal. Um, hosting conferences, hosting events, bring, driving the international community here, focusing on trade. Those things are all critical for Vietnam and there's all, those have all had a kind of halt put on them. And so, you know, a lot of economists now are looking at the, you know, situation and where Vietnam normally would have been an easy six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent growth rate, you know, looking at 2020 at least, it's looking to fall probably closer to one and a half percent. You know, still being positive, which is big for this part of the world, but, um, you know, that's a significant, significant drop. And um, everyone is going to feel that in every walk of life in the, in the short term. The, in the American press particularly, um, but also in the European press, people are talking about the Vietnamese picking up the slack and some of the opportunity from the Chinese market. Obviously, um, from, a, from a manufacturing and from a production point of view and from a GDP point of view, that's, that's, that's a positive thing. How will that affect the opportunity, the, um, if we start to think about travel, of Chinese travelers uh, uh, coming, coming back to Vietnam? Well, I think that, you know, definitely Vietnam has, we've already been seeing that for the last several years, kind of, um, as we see some of the, you know, world's kind of political and corporate world kind of decoupling itself from the, the Chinese economy um, and making that shift to, to Vietnam. Um, so I think from an economic standpoint, that's obviously going to bode well for Vietnam. Um, but, it, you know, getting to the point where, you know, Vietnam's market, obviously, it's international tourism market is almost, you know, Chinese arrivals were representing close to 40%. Um, so we need that market to, to rebound. Um, so to your point, when will they start coming back? That's going to be, um, that's going to be very, very hard to say. You know, again, it's going to be both a question of when is Vietnam going to feel comfortable opening up um, to the rest of the world to, to, to come in. And then also, um, again, I think, um, I think the Chinese government is also going to be making things a little bit tighter for, um, um, for Chinese citizens to travel in kind of mass, in mass market over the short to medium term. So on the demand side, that's going to affect things as well. So, you know, for me, it's, it's hard to say kind of when the, um, when the Chinese market is going to come back. But what I can say for sure is that, um, Vietnam's, tourism market relies on that market rebounding. Again, they make up 30, 40% of the international market followed by Koreans at around 15%. So between the Koreans and the Chinese, they make up the lion's share of the entire Vietnamese travel market. So until that gets going, um, I think we're gonna see, um, you know, a very difficult times ahead for Vietnam. The good news is in this, um, which is, you know, kind of silver lining for our new brand, Wink, is that it was designed really for the Vietnamese traveler. And so in recent years, while you're looking at, you know, international travel reaching 12, 13, 14 million arrivals a year, domestic tourism has been growing by, you know, 20% almost consistently for the past five years. So you're seeing 70, 80 million Vietnamese travelers annually. And so for us, that's really going to be the big market. And we don't see that market of being affected too much by the current situation.
when you say that, um, you know, and, and, and let's start to focus on that. When you start, when you say that, that you don't think it'd be being too much affected, do you feel that there'll be, once the flights start um, going properly again, you feel that there will be both business and leisure, domestic travel, uh, significant domestic travel in the near, near to medium term? <clears throat> I do believe so. So I think, you know, I don't think the psychological effects of Corona are going to be that long lasting here. Like I, I genuinely believe that people will get up and start traveling as soon as the flights and uh, everything opens up. Um, on the, you know, on the demand side, looking into it further and just in terms of, I do think there'll be a bit of a slowdown this year, given the fact that, you know, generally most companies in Vietnam as a result of COVID have cut salaries quite significantly. Um, people are watching their portfolios fall apart. Many of the kind of middle class Vietnamese are exposed to entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial type businesses focusing on retail, F&B, et cetera. Obviously, those sectors have been hit extremely hard. So I think, you know, when you're seeing the economy go from 7% growth down to 1.5% growth, there's a lot of people who are affected, you know, their pockets are affected. So I would expect to see over the short term, you know, the numbers not come roaring back because people are also, you know, I think everyone is, you know, their pockets are a bit tighter right now and that everyone's income has been affected. But psychologically, I think Vietnamese are gonna be comfortable to get back on planes, at least domestically, um, very quickly in the, in, the, in the short term. And I think you're gonna see things kind of rebound uh, relatively, relatively fast relative to the rest of the world. We're um, hearing, and, and obviously through this podcast series, in different countries around the world, um, this, need this kind of pent-up psychological need for, for people to get out and to start traveling again. You see the same thing there? Yeah. Yeah, that's something really, really interesting that you, um, um, you know, that you mentioned because I, we did a little bit of survey, like an informal survey where we just put up on our social media, like, what are you doing when quarantine ends? Um, you know, and 70% of the responses were, I'm going to the beach. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, Vietnam has this young population, two thirds of the population under the age of 35, they've got a kind of phonetic energy, they're excited, um, they're used to, you know, constant mobility, um, and they're keen to get back out there. So my sense is that, uh, again, that, um, you know, as soon as things, you know, flights resume normal schedules, hotels reopen that the Vietnamese market is going to be out there pretty quick um, to kind of, you know, to, to capitalize on this pent-up tourism demand that's been building as a result of the virus. And that's, that, that's fascinating. And I, and I think that's a real note of positivity. I'm delighted to hear, I'm, I'm really delighted to hear that. More, so as much leisure as business or impossible to predict right now? Hard to predict right now. I think, you know, at least in the short term that people are going to be more focused, more necessity focused. Um, you know, so, you know, in one sense, I would agree that business travel would kind of um, rebound first as, you know, you know, I know for myself, like I've got a series of critical meetings that have been stacking up for the last um, two months that I'm, you know, need to get on the plane as soon as I can and, and, and deal with that. But on the other side, I also think that Corona has provided companies 
with an opportunity to realize how powerful technology really is. I mean, I, I know that's happening in our company in the sense it's like, well, before we thought it would be impossible to run our business without flying to Saigon every week. But guess what? We just found out over a month and a half that we can get a lot done on Zoom. And uh, so I think that's also going to affect the way business is done in the future as people, I think, became, um, you know, top level executives that wouldn't touch this level of technology are now, you know, uh, Zoom experts and Microsoft team experts and everyone I think is more comfortable now with these type of platforms. So that could also have an effect on the demand side for business travel. But overall, my thought is that, you know, um, you know, uh, initially you'll see people returning for necessity travel. There'll be a bit of a testing period. People wait and see, watch, make sure nothing happens to anyone else. And then once they see that it's, it's clear you'll see Vietnam just come roaring back really fast. Within Vietnamese culture, and particularly within Vietnamese business culture, there's obviously a huge social, there's also, there's a huge social element, an eating element, a dining element, a lunching element, whatever it is. And obviously technology, you know, you can't really do that over a, um, a digital meeting. How... And, we've, and, and we're hearing it again all over the world. You know, technology has solved the problem during a crisis. Does it, it but it doesn't, it doesn't replace the face-to-face. It doesn't replace that trust. Do you think it can? Do you think, I mean, if we dig a bit deeper into that, do you think uh, out of necessity, yes, but when it comes down to it and in a year's time when things really have settled down, will the face-to-face still be more important? Within yes, yes, absolutely. I think relationships are still so critical. And what I've found, you know, and I don't, I'm speaking from my own experience, is that, you know, kind of critical deal related relationship driven tasks that I'm working on, I'm only online, I can only take it to like 85%. So I have a bunch of things that are kind of baked sitting at 85% that I can't get finished until I can get my face in front, you know, face to face with the respective stakeholders, counterparts, government officials, banks, um, suppliers, etc. So I do fully agree with you that nothing is ever going to replace the need for that, that face-to-face meeting. Um, but do we, are we seeing that, you know, could we reduce travel by 10 or 15% and, and rely more on technology? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Mike, just switching to hotels and, 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 and again, focusing exclusively on the Vietnamese market, what is this new generation of traveler looking for? And where, and will the, broadly, will the brands be delivering that? I mean, I know you're developing your own Wink brand, which is a super exciting new concept. Um, but what are the, what is the traveler really, and the new, the post, the post virus traveler, what are they going to be looking for? Well, I think the, you know, what, what, what we're seeing is that the, um, the customer is obviously becoming more experience driven, right? And the Vietnamese customer is, is no different. Um, and when I say experience driven, I mean that they want to um, really absorb the locations they're in. Um, 10 years ago, when I looked at travel here, just sitting in a nice hotel, to make it there, to arrive at a really high-end hotel was enough. It was what, and it was much more kind of prestige-driven. It's, you know, um, 
kind of keeping up with the Joneses. I stayed here, you stayed there, where are you going to stay? But I think now what we're seeing is that, you know, the, the, the consumer is becoming more sophisticated. Um, they, they're, they're driven for more experiences. The hardware isn't as important as the software. Um, it's not where am I going to stay when I go there, but what am I going to do? Um, and the Vietnamese customer, you know, the Vietnamese traveler is all about that. They want wet markets. They want um, to pick fruit. They want flower markets. They want nightlife. They want to go out and experience the locations, um, the, experience the locations that they're, they're visiting. So I think new hotels really with a focus of what are you going to do there? How do you connect with the guests? Um, you know, we have an eaten, again, I mentioned this young population that's totally social media driven. So creating those experiences, those Instagrammable moments, those opportunities to connect with, um, with your customers. And so I think, you know, looking at hotels with that drive experiences that are more efficient, um, that, and I think economical, I think the new traveler is going to be looking for more value. Um, you know, I think they're going to be you know, the millennials have lived with a lot of kind of um, infinite optimism and about the future and everything. And this was kind of the first big hit, the first crisis they've had to deal with. And um, my sense is everyone's going to be a little bit more, a little bit more cautious moving forward, a little bit more um, prudent with their spending, a little bit more looking at what do I need, not what do I want. I think that's something that Corona has taught us all is to get back to basics, to focus on the things that matter. So I think hotel products that focus on efficiency, focusing on delivering people, what do they need in that situation, the focus on delivering great value. And um, that can help people really understand locations at an intimate level that can help curate those experiences. I think those are the kind of hotels that are going to do well in a, in a post-corona world. I think the the traditional kind of hotels of the world um, are really going to need to give themselves a real close look and look at their model. Um, as I as I, I do think that we're going to you know going to see a bit of a shift in the tastes and preferences of the market. I think you said that. I think you. I, I actually think you really hit it. I think. And particularly in the Vietnamese market, which obviously I, I also know very well, um, historically or pre-virus, almost every certainly mid to upper end product was being created for this the so-called um, the, the foreign traveler, the the part of the fifteen million of incoming. Everything was being done in a traditional analog form for the foreign for for an overseas traveler and the brands were created and the, the the international brands that are in vietnam are being created for the foreign traveler yet what's going to happen now and it's not just with wink but there are other brands sojo there are other brands that are coming out that are being created exclusively or more or less exclusively for the vietnamese traveler and what we will find and i'm guessing what we'll see is that the foreign traveler when they do come back will be more attracted to these brands than perhaps to the into the than to the to the traditional plays that um, had attracted them in the past absolutely I think that's a very good uh, a good remark and um, you know and we believe that fully we believe that while we are developing um, a product that's a you know um, which obviously you're very familiar with that was designed for um, the Vietnamese market and it really 
celebrates the sensibilities of Vietnamese culture, but we believe that the foreign market is actually going to find it equally, if not even more impressive and more refreshing and more authentic as they approach their Vietnam travel experience. And I think that's really what we're, what we're aiming to achieve. Um, I totally agree. I, we, we're, we're almost out of time, Mike. But I just want to, it would be remiss of me not to talk about new destinations. Um, obviously, Cameron comes to mind. Phu Quoc is, 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 I guess, is on everyone's mind, the development of Da Nang. I don't want you to, um, I, we don't really have time to, 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 to go through a detailed um, assessment of each destination. But... Will these destinations, given the propensity, given the, the, the fact that, that it's going to be more domestic travelers, will these destinations, um, are, they going to, are they going to proliferate? Are they going to do well? Are they going to, are they going to succeed in a, domestic, in, a, in, a, in a market that is driven by domestic travel? No, absolutely. I think they'll do well. Um, my concerns with those markets are, you know, Nha Trang's been kind of a beach hotspot in Vietnam for the past 20 years. So it's kind of reaching its maturity level. Um, the density of the build out in those locations are, is growing quite significantly. Um, sometimes the sustainability is questionable, but you know, overall those are um, kind of household resort destinations in Vietnam right now. Um, but the one I'm going to, you know, kind of let you in on my kind of number one pick right now that, I, you know, we've made some investments there and we will continue to if you look in the uh, kind of um, Queen Yun, Phu Yen uh, region um, in central Vietnam. Uh, that, that is, you know, remarkable geography in the area, dazzling beaches, um, you know, still relatively ripe for development. And uh, to me, that's after kind of being part of and witnessing the development of, you know, both Da Nang and Phu Quoc quite intimately, seeing what, uh, you know, the Phu Yen, Queen Yen area has to offer um, is really going to be, uh, in my mind, the next kind of great beach destination of, uh, of Vietnam. And you're seeing that, you know, the big brands of the world are already, you know, the Anantaras, the Alilas, the... Um, you know, and some of the other super luxury brands of the world are already taking positions there. So it's no, um, you know, it's a, it's a very exciting time to be watching that area. Yeah, I, I went there actually to Queenland, um, I don't know, five or six years ago. It's absolutely stunning. Michael Pirro, Chief Executive Officer of Wink Hotels. Thank you so much for being on the Future of Travel. David, thank you very much. Yeah.